Welcome to Douglas Wilson's The Podcast. This audio is brought to you by Canon Press. Before we get started, I wanted to make sure you knew that almost all of Douglas Wilson's books are on sale at the Canon Press store for 20% off. It's the Canon Press Christmas sale, and to make sure that you get the gifts that you want underneath the tree in time, we put the sale a week earlier, which gives USPS all the time in the world to make sure you get those fire gifts right under the tree. So head over to canonpress.com for big sales. Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 170. Good to have you with me. Thanks for joining me. Um, appreciate it. I mean, you don't have to you don't have to do this, you know. So, I want to uh talk a little bit about honesty in elections. As uh, I'm recording this, the uh the presidential election is not yet settled and um and there's a lot of toing and froing and and uh, suits and countersuits and claims and counterclaims and tweets and counter tweets and and so on. Um, And so I want to back up for a minute and simply reiterate a principle that I think shouldn't have to be said. But unfortunately, in these uh, times of ours, it does have to be said. And that is, we shouldn't divide, there's an obvious division in an election like this between those who voted for Trump and would like to see Trump prevail, would like to see Trump's, uh, Trump take a second term. And those who voted for Biden and would like to uh, see Biden replace Trump. So you've got Trump supporters and Biden supporters. Now, uh, that's the easy breakdown. That's the breakdown that you could establish by looking at yard signs. But there's another breakdown, uh, I think a more important breakdown, and that's the breakdown uh, between those who want their guy to win no matter what and those who want their guy to win honestly. So there's, there are those who, who are, uh, another name for this would be partisans on the one hand and citizens on the other. So if you get to the point where it doesn't matter, basically the, the hook or crook behavior in the uh, election doesn't matter, where you are is basically in the resistance trying to overthrow Adolf Hitler. You're trying, you're, you're in a you're in a state of war, right? But if you're trying to hold a commonwealth together, if you're trying to hold a republic together, if you don't want chaos in the streets, if you're not yet at the point where you're willing to have the whole thing devolve into a shooting war, uh, what you want is an honest election. You don't want anybody cheating, and that means you would rather have your guy lose honestly. If you if you're if you're not in the condition of a shooting war, if you're not in that situation, you sh- and you're a citizen together with the fellow who voted an opposite way from you, you should want your guy to win honestly, but you would reject the opportunity to have your guy win dishonestly. Now, we are currently in this impasse where people are claiming that Biden uh, won. And the, many of the Trump supporters are claiming that he did this through massive cheating. 
And uh, there are Trump partisans and there are Biden partisans. And then there are Trump supporting citizens and Biden supporting citizens. In, in other words, if you put a button in front of someone and said, if you push this button, uh, your guy will win. And let us not inquire too closely into how it was done. Uh, an honest citizen will not push the button. If you put the bu that button in front of an honest citizen and say, if you push this button, then the person who legitimately won the election is going to win, and it may or may not be your guy. If you push that button, you're a citizen, not a partisan. If you push the button earlier in the earlier scenario, you're a, you're a partisan, not a citizen. And so what I've seen in the aftermath of this election is um, on the part of the partisans, there are Trump partisans and there are Biden partisans. I happen to believe that there, there were a lot of dirty deeds that went down in this election in places like Pennsylvania and Georgia and Michigan and, and so on. So I, I believe that, that uh, the people who are claiming that there was election fraud have uh, a reasonable case that I think needs to be looked into and looked into carefully with um, objective cross-checks to make sure that it really is looked into uh, fairly. Having said that, I would rather be shown to be wrong and have Biden elected, which would be a disaster for the country to have Biden inaugurated. I would rather lose honestly and then turn to God and ask him to deliver us some other way, apart from the election, right? Then to have the appeals or the court cases sustained and have the election, let's say Biden has dropped below 270 electoral votes, uh, the election is thrown into the House of Representatives where Trump would win. If that happened and Trump prevailed honestly, I would be happy. If he prevailed and it turned out to have been dishonest, then I would not be pleased. I would not be happy. So, in this debate, in the back and forth that's gone on between Trump partisans and Biden partisans and Trump supporters and Biden supporters, among the partisans, it appears to me that the Trump partisans will believe anything. And the Biden partisans are willing to do anything. So, um, uh, I think the act of cheating was perpetrated by the Biden forces to ensure that Biden was elected or carried across the finish line. I believe that the reaction of the Trump partisans has been after the fact where anything that any straw to clutch at, any, uh, any story that indicates that Trump might prevail is something that they will accept or, or believe. And uh, right, obviously, the fraudulent election, the doing anything to get your guy elected is criminal, and believing any story that you read on the internet is merely sinful. It's not, it's not a criminal thing at all, but neither one is good, and we shouldn't want to be either kind of person. So, if you care more about your guy getting in than you care about the integrity of the electoral process then we've already lost more than the election. As hamartiology is the study of sin, as you all know, here in podcast episode 170, 
One obvious one is the verb that is usually rendered to blaspheme. A lot of the words that we've looked at in this series are only used in the New Testament a handful of times, but not so with blasphemeo, which occurs 35 times. What I'm going to do, that's obviously too many for us to consider here, so what I'm, what I'm going to do is look at a couple of instances where it is translated as to blaspheme, and then broaden our understanding through looking at some of the other ways it's translated. When Jesus told the man who was sick with the palsy that his sins were forgiven, some of the scribes said to themselves that, quote, this man blasphemeth. In other words, it was blasphemy to arrogate to yourself one of the prerogatives of God alone. So th- they were saying, because Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, they, they argued, no one can do that except God. Jesus just did it. Jesus must think he's God. All right. So on another occasion, Paul says that the misbehavior of the Jews was a provocation to the Gentiles and that it caused them to blaspheme, Romans 2.24. So um, the inconsistency and the hypocrisy of the Jews uh, caused the Gentiles to look at the true way, the revelation that God had given to the Jews, and caused them to blaspheme. Other instances in the uh, New Testament where the word is translated in this way, that is, to blaspheme, are Mark 3, 28 and 29, Luke 12, 10, John 10, 36, Acts 13, 45, uh, Acts 18, 6, Acts 26, 11, 1 Timothy 1, 20, 1 Timothy 6, 1, Titus 2, 5, James 2, 7, and Revelation 13, 6, 16, 9, 11, and 21. Now, one other close rendering is where it is translated as blasphemer in Acts 19.37, speak blasphemy in Matthew 26.65, and blasphemously in Luke 22.65. Another rendering of it is to speak evil of. So, in, for example, in Romans 14.16, it says, let not then your good be evil spoken of. In other words, if you've got a good thing going, you shouldn't um, swing your liberty around on the end of a rope in such a way as to provoke other people to blaspheme that good thing that you've got. Don't let your good be evil spoken of. It's also translated this way in 1 Corinthians 10.30, Titus 3.2, 1 Peter 4.4, 4, 4.14, 2 Peter 2.2, 2, uh, verse 10, verse 12, and then Jude 1.8 and Jude 1.10. The last rendering is to rail on, which occurs twice. Here, it means to hurl abuse. So when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was abused in this way. In Mark fifteen twenty nine, and they that passed by railed on him. They hurled abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days. So they railed on him. They hurled abuse at him. And the verb underneath that is blasphemeo. And then uh, one of the thieves that was crucified with Jesus does the same uh, in Luke twenty three thirty nine. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. So that kind of railing, that kind of heaping abuse is blasphemeo. There are a handful of under other re- renderings as well. Reviled in Matthew twenty seven thirty nine, slanderously in Romans three eight, and defamed in First Corinthians four thirteen. So my book review for the podcast here, episode one seventy, this uh, time around is Escape from Reason by Francis Schaeffer. 
Now, uh, Francis Schaeffer had a huge impact on me back in the 70s. I, I read a number of his books at, at that uh, time, and I learned a great deal and uh, internalized a great deal. And in the last few years, I've gone back and reread a few of those books, and uh, it's, it's like uh, getting acquainted with an old friend from high school, uh, someone you, uh, you remember well, and, and oh, that's where I learned that. Oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And I just recently um, went back to Escape from Reason. Now, Escape from Reason was maybe the first Schaefer book that I ever read, and I don't know if I completed it. I was uh, still in the Navy, and um, and so I was in the Navy from 71 to 75, and so early 70s. And I remember joking with someone that having read or trying to read Escape from Reason that um, Francis Schaeffer was one of the few Presbyterians who wrote in tongues. It was a lot of philosophy and over my head and what's this guy talking about and so on. But later, as um, after I got out of the Navy and started to engage with some of his other stuff, I, and, I, and I came back to go to school and majored in philosophy, a lot of, this, a lot of the stuff he was saying uh, started to fall into place. Escape from Reason has a, um, a, a very interesting structuring uh, device that I think is quite helpful. I, I would quibble with how he sets it up right at the beginning. He, he has uh, a very famous Schaeferian two-story structure where above is grace and below is nature. And uh, Schaefer's argument is that if you leave any space for autonomy in the lower story, it will eventually eat up and swallow the upper story. And now my quibble is, I think that this structuring device of upper story, lower story is a very helpful structuring device, but I don't think, I'm not comfortable with calling it grace and nature. And the reason uh, I don't feel comfortable with it is everything about nature is grace. So, <laughs> you know, when you, uh, when you thank the Lord for the food and God gives us children and God gives us many good gifts in this life. God gives us wonderful gifts in nature. Uh, these gifts are grace. I just don't see how there's, biblically speaking, how we can have a nature-grace dichotomy. I do, I do see how we could have a fact-value distinction, not a fact-value dichotomy, but a fact-value distinction, or the upper story would be the realm of meaning or purpose, and the lower story is simply brute facticity. But I think Schaefer's point is a good one, that if you make room, if you make any kind of autonomous room for human reason of any sort, that is going to grow and metastatize, and it's going to swallow up uh, the upper story. It's going to swallow up purpose, soul, spirit, meaning, everything that is uh, connected to the transcendent. And what Schaefer does is he, he traces the history of philosophy, beginning with Aquinas uh, and uh, going down through the modern uh, philosophers, showing how human autonomy is the great enemy, uh, the great adversary, the thing that we need to be on our guard against all the time. It's, um, it's a really good book. I recommend it. Again, uh, I profited greatly from it over the years, and I think that you will enjoy it also. Escape from Reason, Francis Schaeffer. Mm -hmm. 